Good morning, good brothers and sisters. <laughs> this is a beautiful morning outside, but also inside. You all are, uh, it, um, it's just a highlight that Janet and I look forward to every year to be able to come because you're such a, um, a supportive, friendly, um, encouraging congregation, and uh, I love it. In the sermon this morning, I intend to challenge us as perhaps never before, and I intend to do that with four what I call arresting true statements. Here they are. Number one, life is short. Number two, death is sure. Number three, sin the cause. Number four, Christ the cure. Two or three months ago, I was working a funeral in Bethany for the funeral home that I worked for. I was attending the register stand, and there was the granddaughter of the deceased who had put together a picture album in honor of her grandpa. And she was showing that to one of her relatives, and she opened the front cover, and those four statements were on the front cover. She read those to this person, and I'm going, oh my land, I feel a sermon coming on. (laughs) I want to repeat those four statements, and then we're going to develop that, and that's going to be the sermon this morning. Here they are. Life is short. Number two, death is sure. Number three, sin the cause. And number four, Christ the cure. First of all, life is short. And that's a relative term, relative to eternity, really. Psalms chapter 90 tells us the average lifespan is 70 to 80 years, but just a trip to the cemetery, which means Memorial Day weekend, uh, some of us are going to be uh, going there uh, this, this weekend, uh, we plan to do that uh, tomorrow, uh, just a trip to the cemetery will, uh, will give you uh, a jolt of reality that you are not assured the 70 or 80. Life is at best short. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Go to now you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what the morrow will be like. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But the length of life is not really the issue here. It's the fact that this life is not all there is, and today is not guaranteed. At best, just a few days, and then Psalms 90 and verse 10 says, we fly away. We are made by God for God, and God is not interested in us being happy as much as us being holy and being prepared. And so here is the, the issue that I want to set forth. And that is life, this life, 
is a dress rehearsal. It is preparation for eternity. And may we then realize that life is short. And if we aren't prepared now for eternity, we'd better get that way just as quickly as possible. In view of that, I want us to read Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. I think it's really wise advice. Ephesians chapter 5, now reading beginning with verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the Lord's will? He wants you to spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's His will. Understand, this life is just, as I said, a a dress rehearsal. This is just preparation for eternity. And so may we live every day trying to be good and do good, and then when that is our last day, we will be ready. What are you doing with your one and only life? Doug Parsons was my, one of my classmates at uh, Oklahoma Christian. And he tells a story of a man who went with his young son into the uh, drugstore. And he had given that young son a quarter back in the days when he could buy candy for a quarter. (laughs) And uh, he got his purchases all taken care of. And there his little boy was grasping his quarter and looking at the candy. And so the father tried to hurry him on, was a little impatient, says, "Uh, go on and spend your quarter, we need to be uh, going And the little boy said, Dad, I only have one quarter and I got to be careful how I spend it. And I think that's pretty good advice. (laughs) You have only one life. How are you spending your life? I'm very serious here. How are you spending your life? You know, Jesus said that we should uh, lay not up for ourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. Are you spending your life laying up treasures in heaven? I'm just as serious as a heart attack. That's pretty serious. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man, the rich farmer. And he tells of how the rich farmer, after he had built more barns, he said... Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Soul, soul, your soul has uh, many goods laid up for many years. And then in verse 20, we have that life-changing word, but. But the Lord said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then, whose shall these things be? And one of these days... Our soul is going to be required of us, and we're going to leave all of these things behind. As 1 Timothy 6 verse 7 says, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we'll carry nothing out. 
And so the big question is, how are you spending your life? Is it for things here, or are you laying up treasures in heaven? Life is short, and so if you are not on cue to do the Lord's will, you better do some real soul searching. Number two, death is sure. It's an undeniable fact. The time will come when there will be no more sunrises for you, no more todays or tomorrows, no more plans. They will all be a thing of the past. Actually, I want you to get this. I saw this in a cartoon type thing. Life narrows. Think about it for just a moment. When at the, at the uh, best of life, life is pretty broad. There is you, and there's family, and there's job, and there's enjoyments, and there's God. But then life goes on, and it narrows down. Children grow up, and they get jobs, and they follow the jobs, and they go away. Sometimes our mate dies. And now then, the life for us is there's us, job, enjoyment, and God. But not as broad as it was. But then life goes on. And health fails. We have to lose our job. Now, life for us is us, a few enjoyments, and God. But then death comes, and now all that is left is you and God. I'm asking you, have you thought of that progression? Ignoring that fact will do you no good. I read of where Louis XV, king of France, was, uh, was horrified at even the word death. He forbade that anyone even use that word in his presence. Nor do they, uh, they would shield him from even seeing anything that would refer to it. However, on May 10, 1774, Louis XV, king of France, died of smallpox. I read a story, it's just a story, by Stan Mitchell of uh, Bob and Earl, and they were baseball fans, and they were discussing, do you reckon there's baseball in heaven? And they said, oh my, I hope there is. Well, one day Bob dies. And a little bit later, Earl has his sleep interrupted with Bob's voice. And so Earl says, Bob, is there baseball in heaven? Bob says, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He said, well, give me the good news. Yes, there's baseball in heaven. He said, well, what could be bad if there's baseball in heaven? He says, you're pitching tomorrow night. I I seriously doubt if there's baseball in heaven. But you get the point. 
that life, it at best, life is unsure and uh, are uncertain, and death is very sure. There's an article entitled Magical Thinking, and it is a meditation on grief and marriage, but the opening lines say so much. Life changes fast. Life changes in an instant. You sit down to dinner, and life for you ends. It is true. Just a phone call, a knock at the door with devastating news, and life the way we knew it will never, ever be the same again. Statistics tell us every year in the United States, 40,000 people get in their car for a trip and never get back. Just read your newspaper. Just read your newspaper. And you will see how many just step out of life and into eternity at any unexpected time. I'm telling you, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 8, the King James translation says it right. As it says, no man has power over the spirit, neither has he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war. The axiom is true. The young may die, the old must die. And so, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause. The very first warning in the Bible was to Adam and Eve, telling them not to eat of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, because the day they ate, they would surely die. Well, they ate and they did die, and uh, communication, open uh, communication uh, with God ceased at that point, and there was a, a stop limit to the life, and that spread to all of, uh, of their posterity. Why? Because sin had entered the world. Romans 5 and verse 12 says, Just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, for all have sinned. Sin, the heartbreak, all of those things, even marriage breakups, everything goes back, and even disease. In fact, we have been uh, so rudely, our lives have been interrupted by the COVID-19. I have an article by another uh, co-worker of mine in, uh, at Oklahoma Christian, and uh, it, David Lusk. Some of you may know David. Uh, he's still working for the Lord's Church in, in uh, Texas. He had an article. In October 1347, trading ships from the Black Sea port of Kaffa anchored in the harbor of Messina in Sicily with dead and dying men at the oars. As the men were taken off board, the doctors noticed the strange black swelling about the size of an apple in the armpits and groin, boils spreading over the body and skin turning black from internal bleeding. Within days, sometimes even hours, the men were all dead. And so began the strange, horrifying spread of the black plague, a disease so lethal that it spread throughout the whole world, killing hundreds of thousands. 
From reports given him, Pope Clement VI announced that 23,840,000 men, women, and children had perished. The living called it the end of the world and declared that all the world was at the hands of the evil one. David goes on and makes this observation, but we are assured in the scripture that the evil one does not waste his time with a simple, simple disease like the black plague. He has a more lethal one called sin. He cares very little if you die writhing in agony of the body. It's your soul he wants, and thus he has inflicted his disease on all mankind. You cannot even say sin without hissing like a serpent. And so I'm telling you that sin is like a deadly disease and we've got to deal with it. Carl Menninger, a leading psychologist of a generation gone by, once wrote a book, Whatever Happened to Sin? And in that, he said, modern man has lost his sense of sin. And we have. We, that's part of uh, the, the chaos that's going on in our world. But Galatians 6 verses 7 and 8 gives us a real awakening. As it says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He who sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I'm telling you, sin is something we've all got to deal with, and it has consequences both in this life and in the life to come. Yes, sin brought about physical death. Uh, we know whenever... Um, every thought and imagination was only evil continually in Genesis 6. And so God sent the flood. Later it was Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin of homosexuality, Genesis uh, chapters 18 and 19, and there are other, other examples. But Romans 6 and verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And death here is eternal separation from God. It's not just a physical death. All the wicked shall be turned into hell, so says Proverbs 9 and verse 17, the King James translation. Sin has its awful consequences. So yes, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, but I'm happy to tell you Christ is the cure. First John 3 and verse 8 says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yes, Jesus came to heal and to forgive. Roman, or rather, Revelation 1 and verse 5 is a key to the entire book of Revelation. It says, To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Isaiah 59 tells us that our, our sins have separated us from God so that he will not hear us. However, Jesus is the cure for all of that. As he says that, uh, in fact, 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19 tells us that we're redeemed not with corruptible things, but by the precious blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot, Christ. So we can have the answer to that problem. Yes, for arresting true statements. I, that's what I've entitled uh, the sermon today. Arresting, yes. True, yes. But that last one makes it all, all the difference in the world. 
that if we have Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about those those first three. We just don't because we've got Jesus on our side. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 10 brings it all together. As it says, Now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And when we're baptized into Christ, we reenact that death, burial, and resurrection, and we then are prepared. No matter what comes, we are ready. Now, I want to end my sermon this morning with a true illustration by Hardiman Nichols. Hardiman, I know I've heard him preach, a a wonderful gospel preacher, the son of Gus Nichols, uh, a famous gospel preacher also. One evening at worship, one of Hardiman Nichols' members, he was one minute he was singing a song, and the next he slumped over as his soul left his body. True story. Brother Hardiman says of this brother, he was prepared, but he wasn't ready. And he explained, prepared in that he had obeyed the gospel, he had continued to grow as a Christian, but he did not anticipate that this was the last day of his life. Well, that night later, that that evening, Brother Hardiman took an elder and went to see the grieving widow. And as he was there, he looked around, he saw the comforts of, of living, and his eyes settled on what was apparently the easy chair of that man. And on a little side table, there was commentary that was open. His Bible was there, and there was some notes. And the wife saw what Brother Hardiman was looking at, and the elder that was with Hardiman asked, was he preparing to teach a class? And she said, no, he was just reading for his own benefit. Oh, what a way to spend your last day. He was just reading scriptures for his own benefit. And then he went to worship. And as he was singing, his soul left. I hope that that gets next to you. I was told that because we do not have any elders in the congregation this morning... I was not to offer an invitation. And so I'm going to end my remarks with a prayer. But I'm going to tell you that if I can assist you, I'll be here for today. I would be most happy to do that if that is what you want. I'd like for us to now close with a prayer. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father. We are so thankful for the precious promises and for the effectiveness of Jesus' blood to wash away our sins. Oh, Father, help us to realize this is not television. Life is real. 
and help us to realize that we need to prepare so that we can be with you throughout eternity. Bless each one of us as we anticipate the fact that we will not always be here, but that there's a great eternity beyond. This is our prayer in the name of Christ. Amen.